Hey everybody, it is Mr. Jeremy England, one of four music teachers at OHVA, and we are back to business. It is uh, the new year, 2020. We had our whole uh, winter break off from school, so we as teachers, I think, have earned the right to also take some time off. I know other people will not be happy probably about that, but that's okay. Uh, that's a perk of being a teacher and educating the future of you know the world. So, uh, But we're back for season two. And or semester two, I suppose, depends on where you're coming from as a podcast listener, a student, or a just fan. But that doesn't really matter. And it's not all about me because I'm joined on the other side of the internet by one of the other music teachers, Ms. Daphne Check. How are you today? I am having a great day and it's so good to be back. You know, the break was nice, but it's good to be back. It's good to get back in the routine. And I'm 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 glad we're we're getting back to it this week. I'm really excited. So we're back at it now. Uh, this is episode 18, actually. So 17 was our last episode of the season, but it just didn't air because I don't really know what happened to it. But uh, we recorded in episode 17, uh, but it's not there. So if you look at your feed and you see 16, 18, well, that's why. So uh, Magic. Technology isn't always on our side. <laughs> right. Uh, but this new semester for us as music teachers, we have a curriculum we follow at OHVA. The first semester, which is our first season, you know, for lack of a better term, was all our classical music. So uh, Baroque, Renaissance, classical era music, romantic and 20th century, all the, the quote unquote classical music that you would hear when you turn to the one NPR station or WGTE station or whatever it is, uh, public broadcast system, you probably hear some of this classical music, right? Um, this semester for us is all about the pop music, uh, for lack of a better term. So we're going to be covering... Uh, jazz, that's what we'll start with today. Jazz, blues, folk, country, bluegrass, rock, hip-hop, and then we'll get into some other genres too. And that, of course, those will be sprinkled in with all of the other stuff we decide that we want to talk about, any other appreciation posts or whatever. So it's going to be a fun semester. This is my favorite semester to teach. Uh, I oh, just... I'm I'm in the same boat with this. I re- it's not that I don't like the music history stuff. I do. I find it fascinating because you can't know where you're going until you know where you've been. But we get to really just kind of take on these really big umbrella topics instead of really diving into, you know, in, in the history part, we're diving into facts and figures and kind of detailed stuff. And here we're really talking about these broader ideas Um and plus, it's just a little more engaging because a lot of people, they might like jazz or they might like blues and, and they might like these different genres that we're going to cover, especially when we get to the end, when we talk about rock and hip hop. I, I mean, that's pretty, uh, it, it's pretty, uh, a lot in our uh, culture that, you know, rock and hip hop are a big part. So everybody's got like an opinion on them. So we get to, we get to dive into these very colorful genres and approach it a different way. So I, I am with you as much as I like semester one, I kind of like from the teaching standpoint, I like semester two a little better. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody has an opinion and this is the one that people think they know what they're talking about. Uh, <laughs> this is true. We're here to tell you, you might not know everything yeah, that you, you, that you think know. you do. <laughs> or yeah, that you might like something that you might not have thought that you liked before. So as always, as we tell our students, keep an open mind 
And uh, as we talk about some of what makes this music work and what makes this music tick, hopefully it can tie into some part of you that you really enjoy. So absolutely, we're starting with jazz, the king of American style music. And I know we only have like uh, 25 minutes left at most, really, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, to talk about a topic of music that has influenced every other style of American music since its inception. Um, so we're going to do our best, right? <laughs> this outline is, is long, uh, and we're going to rapid fire through some things, and we're going to spend some more time on other things, and we're just going to kind of uh, explore what this is all about. So, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's jump right into it. Woo! Like I said, Jazz is an American art form. All of the other styles, that, if you listen to our podcast that we've talked about before, uh, they have all developed out of Europe. And the focus that we had in uh, that semester was uh, through the musicology lens of Western art music, which is pretty much Europe. Uh, and it really hasn't made its way over to America yet. But if you look at the dates that we were talking about then, it's all like European history because America still is a relatively young country in the terms of the world. And so we don't have much of a musical identity uh, up until this point. So jazz comes onto the scene and we do what we do best in America is we take things that are different or seem in opposition of each other and we combine them to make something which we probably think is better. Right, We are the great melting Mm -hmm. pot in people and in culture and in food. And jazz is like the perfect example of that. Absolutely. It's just a little bit of flavor A, flavor B. And you get this really cool, in a lot of ways, a very fusion sound. Just like you do with food. You know, a lot of, see, food tie-ins. Some things never change, kids. Never. Um, The food, you know, we we have a a culinary uh, table in this country where it's just like, Everybody brings their food from wherever their ancestors came from. Well, this is no different, right? I mean, we in jazz, we're getting a little bit, uh, a little bit of different stuff that people are bringing over with them. Yeah, it's like, uh, and it is appropriate to talk about food because the birthplace of jazz, as we'll talk about a little bit later, is New Orleans. And New Orleans is known for their gumbo. And if you ever had gumbo, it's literally just a pot of whatever people bring and put into the pot and. You eat it, and it all works better together, you know, and the flavors mm-hmm. meld together and create something new. But before we get to that, and my mouth is watering already talking about gumbo. Um, <laughs> it doesn't take much for no. us. <laughs> uh, so this American art style is, like we said, combined out of two major elements, African rhythms and European harmonic structure. And so we need to start with the the pulse and the heartbeat of jazz, and that's Rhythm And rhythm uh, comes from the African drum playing, which uh, if you look back at uh, how rhythm and drumming is important in many African cultures, it's a way to communicate. Uh, You know, it's a way to communicate over long distances if you want. It's a way to celebrate. It's a way to declare war. I mean, drums are used a lot to communicate certain messages. And what makes it even more unique and probably a reason it got such a stronghold is uh, they use this form of communication 
that is the slaves that were brought over from Africa to communicate uh, when other times they might not have been able to, whether that was because they couldn't talk or they couldn't read or uh, they were forbidden to do any of those things or write letters, drums were still a way that they could communicate uh, to each other without anybody really being any the wiser. So it is rooted uh, so deeply into a, a culture and a group of people that really uh, established and um, made jazz work. And that, unfortunately, has to do with a, a very terrible history of slavery, right, and pe ripping people out of their homeland and bringing them to a new place. Um, and I'm not saying that we should celebrate that, but good music uh, is a result of people's suffering, which is a lot of times what music ends up being, is <laughs> expressing yeah. intense emotions and intense feelings uh, that, you know, only music can capture. So. Absolutely. I mean, how many times have we talked about the fact that music can be directly related to emotion? Right. Here's another example of that. I also want to mention, we're talking a little bit about, well, we're definitely talking about um, that when, when folks from Africa were brought here to the United States, they brought um, their African drumming uh, experience with them. And this is going to happen several times, well, at least a couple more times in our history in terms of genres of music. Um, as, as awful as slavery was, and I, obviously we can all agree on that, um, the, the rich tradition of music uh, from Africa is so intertwined with American music. And we're going to see this creep up several times. Yeah, and as, as you were saying that, I want to, uh, I think, could maybe dwell a little bit that uh, music, this is the importance of music. Maybe this might be a soapbox moment. I need a bell to play every time there's a soapbox moment, you know? We need, we uh, do, we do. We music, need one, but ding, yeah. ding. Yeah, there I'll we go. for you. Go for it. Thanks. Music cannot be taken away from people. And as we'll see time and time again, especially in American music, it's a lot of tradition of rote, which is teaching by uh, speaking or singing and then learning by ear. Uh, the European music styles that we studied before was very academic in a lot of ways that you wrote music down the composer had a very specific idea and it was followed pretty much to the t and i'm not saying that doesn't happen in jazz but you can see that people through great turmoil and strife uh brought over to a new place that they had no idea where they were or what they really were doing they still couldn't take the music away from people and that's what makes some of this music that we're going to talk about uh, through jazz and other styles so important and impactful because uh, you can't take that away from people. You can't take away something that can be so intrinsic or, or so important because I can make a new drum wherever I go, right? I can make uh, a new guitar wherever I go. Uh, but as many times you try to take that stuff away, the music, the underlying uh, feelings and emotions cannot be taken away. And that's why music is so cool, I think. So that's my soapbox. Totally 100% on the soapbox with him. Ding, ding. All right. So let's get back to our uh, <laughs> traditions of jazz. So another way that uh, slavery uh, affected this early styles of jazz was something called work songs. So what's a work song, Daphne? You can tell us a little bit so, about that. 
A work song is something that you might have heard um, that slaves might have been singing or playing when they were in the field. It helped to pass time. Uh, so, you know, they these folks were not spending short amount of time working. They were spending many, many hours, often in less than ideal conditions. And so these songs helped them to pass the time. It also tended to be something that helped keep people together. You know, we talk a lot of, well, kind of what you just talked about, Jeremy. You know, we, you can't, music cannot be understated in terms of its importance to people. And using these work songs, they kind of helped to keep the folks together, to let them know they weren't alone in their suffering and that there was some sense of community, even in these really really dark times. So work songs are, are a very important piece of this musical history. The other thing that uh, I'm going to add one more caveat to the work songs is it helped keep people in time where uh, the work that's often done, or that was often done uh, by people, especially in fields, was very uh, repeatable, right? You did the same thing over and over and over again. So uh, being able to have a rhythm or a beat or something to follow along to kept people in sync also, which um, I, I'm trying to think of like a good example where somebody might have seen this in pop culture. And the first one that comes to mind is the movie Frozen. If you ever watch Frozen, at the beginning of the movie, there's a bunch of dudes, they're cutting ice and they're like delivering ice and stuff. And they're yes. using music to keep everybody in time. Because that makes the work easier. When you're consistent in this kind of repeatable tasks, it helps to make you more uh, efficient. That's a really good one. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, of course, the beginning of Frozen. That's a work song right there. When they're hammering into the ice, it's on the beat, it's on time. That, that's a great example. Yep. You don't want to be jittery because then you're inefficient and... Uh, so then to talk about like you know more of the touchy-feely stuff too is this thing called a spiritual and so a spiritual was often sung in churches or in the fields and there were songs about god and there were songs about uh suffering uh basically you sang them to help ease the suffering and pain of everyday life so that's put in here because as you can imagine uh if you're a slave and you're not free you have probably more pain and suffering than the average person. So a spiritual was a very important form of musical style uh, to have hope and to have something to believe in, something bigger than the current situation that you're in. So spirituals had a great influence of this style of music as well. So next we have blues, and we need to talk about blues a little bit. That'll be its own episode, I'm sure. Uh, but blues is developing at the same time as jazz. So tell us, Tell us about the blues. Well, I think probably most people know a little bit about the blues. You know, we use the term, I've got the blues in in our everyday life. We, When you say you've got the blues, you're talking about that you're sad or you're depressed. So when we are talking about the genre of the blues, it's exact. it means the exact same thing. These were songs about suffering. So, you know, people who were dealing with some real life issues, some real struggles, that's what the blues was for. These were for those people to just kind of let it out and, and give them an, uh, just a place where they could express the struggles that they were feeling. That's nice. That's good. Yep. Well, thank you. Blues. <laughs> Blues is such an important genre. I can't wait to talk about the blues some more. Mm -hmm. uh, but the important 
aspect, the, the musical characteristic, we can pick out of all of that. And so I'm trying not to discount emotion in this because emotion is, is the blues. Uh, Absolutely. But there's a couple of techniques inside the blues that are important to note. And the most important one to note is something called a blue note. And so blue notes in music, there are on a piano, if you look at a piano and you play every key, black and white, boop, 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 all the way up, you're playing half steps. So you can't change how much those are in tune or out of tune. They're a set thing. So you can't do much. But our voice has infinite possibilities of pitches that it can sing, right? I could sing a note in tune or I could move it a little bit lower or a little bit higher. And, you know, so we call some of these half steps, whole steps, quarter steps, semitones, so all these things, basically the distance between two notes can be big or it can be small. Blues notes introduces this thing, uh, a quarter tone, which is uh, not what our ear is really used to hearing when we sing, but when you sing it or you play it, it has a very important effect that sounds kind of like, like uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like crying, right? It's kind of like sad and emotional and it's that it's that note that when you play it you make that crazy face you know like when you're playing guitar you watch a blues <laughs> guitarist you make the face that's probably a blue note uh probably but you're probably putting a lot of emotion into it and what's interesting is when you're playing guitar for example uh what you're trying to do is mimic the human voice because the blues is all about the emotions of the person and so the greatest thing we can do as a person is to express ourselves with our voice if you have that ability. And so we try to take instruments and mimic that through things called blues notes, which opens up the door to chromatic scales uh, being used in jazz uh, a ton and all these crazy notes. Which is one of the ways that it stands out. Yes. Because like in the music that we had been studying before, we kind of touched on chromatic um, but the only time you were really going to see true, not even then really, but the only time you were going to see any type of chromaticism might've been in 12 tone. And even then that still really wasn't because it wasn't going in a, you know what I mean? Like 12 tone tended yeah. to be random a little bit, but yeah. at least you saw the notes. At least you heard those notes you, you know, you were getting all those notes here. It's just functioning different. So we didn't have this idea of real chromaticism, um, in anything we've studied up until this point. It's definitely a huge change in the, in the implementation of tuning <laughs> and <laughs> expressing That's oneself. For sure. uh, That's for sure. Let's talk about improvisation. I started improv, and I want to say improvisation, so I stuttered. Improvisation. Tell us about improvisation. Well, we're doing it right now, I guess you could argue. Improv is when you make something up on the spot. <laughs> yeah. um, this is most of our podcast, folks. No, I'm kidding. Um, so really, you've most people have probably seen some kind of improv in his, improvisation in their life. See, I just said it. Improvisation in their life. Um, it might just be that, you know, you're making up some kind of line or some kind of melody over a chord progression, which I don't know if we've really officially talked about what a quote unquote chord progression is, but literally it's what it sounds like, what what the two words sound like. It's chords that are moving in a particular progression. There are blues progressions, there are other different types of progressions. So you're gonna see that in the class if you're one of our students. But this is somebody who or a you know some kind of melodic line that's being made up right in that moment. They're not uh it's nothing that's written down. It's just totally made up. It's it's totally it's random with an asterisk because it's not like they're just hitting 
generally they're not a person's just not improvising and hitting random notes they have some kind of context to it they know well an f sharp might not sound so great against a g like they have those now that knowledge beforehand at least a good musician does yeah um but an improv improvisation is just making something up on the spot uh, maybe a good artistic example is say you have a coloring page right and you have the outlines of the whatever you're trying to color and you could see that like maybe orange would be a good color for the sun but you could also choose yellow if you wanted to or you could put yellow and orange together and so you have an outline which is the chord progression and then you get to make the decisions about whatever colors you want to put in there of course you know like traditionally what goes well there and if you decide you can go a little bit crazy but uh, there's still a structure that you're working with or against, depending on what style of jazz you're playing. So yeah, it's like, it's like you know, improvisation does not equate to random. Yes, that it's it's still what needs to be in some kind of context. At least if you're doing it correctly, right. you can improv and you know hit notes. Anybody can do that. But it's still generally you have some kind of contextual knowledge before you start an improv piece. Syncopation. So here is an idea about rhythm that uh, is crucial to one of the first styles of jazz, ragtime. But it is uh, a a cool rhythmic technique, which basically means the emphasis is on the offbeat. So uh, if I'm clapping a steady beat, can you hear the bit? Can you hear the clap? Yeah. Okay. So this is our steady beat. So I can go pa 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 pa. So I'm matching up with the beat, right? Syncopation would focus on the offbeat. And so that is a technique that gives us a little um, uneasiness or movement. So I could combine them. Syncopation is essentially the emphasis is on the offbeat to give us a unique rhythmic feeling that isn't harmonic, it isn't melodic, but it is rhythmic, which is uh, just another technique jazz musicians can use. Ragtime. Yeah. Nice. It's true. Ragtime. We're going to rapid fire. So ragtime is the first one. I just want to, I want to combine this. I want to talk a little bit about ragtime real fast. Ragtime uses syncopation and it's the first real style in jazz that we can define that combines African rhythms and European melody. This is like the birth of, of like this combination, this combining of different musical genres to create uh, jazz. It's not the birthplace of jazz, but it is one of the first genres to start to use influences and in putting them together. Scott Joplin is the person you want to listen to. He's a piano player, and his most famous song is, uh, is well, I mean, I don't know. Most of he is The Entertainer and Maple Leaf Rag, right? Ba da da ba 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 da ba 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 that is uh that's the entertainer right ragtime so okay you ready let's go rapid fire we'll just go back and forth all right okay so dixieland jazz this is new orleans jazz okay this is the birthplace of really what we consider jazz and most of uh the focus it's like on improv 
combining very flavors. Remember how Mr. England was just talking about gumbo? Think the musical equivalent. It's happening in New Orleans. Think about those Mardi Gras parades. Okay. Big party, stylish, lots of people come together, colorful, all kinds of things thrown in. That's what you're getting with Dixieland jazz. Yeah, it seems a little bit chaotic. And you're going to be going to New Orleans, so we'll talk about this, right? So Yeah, I was just telling Mr. England before the podcast, my spring break plans are to go to New Orleans for a couple of days. So I have all kinds of plans to take a lot of pictures and get a lot of stuff, and maybe we can share them on the podcast. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll do a follow-up show. That'll be good. I'm excited yeah. to, to hear what you listen to. Maybe you could do some field recordings, too. Ooh. I'm going to try. Don't think it's not in my plans. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the next genre is big band and swing. This is a dancing style of music, big in the 1920s and 30s, and the focus is on large groups, hence the name big band. Uh, it has a lot of different elements. They have chord instruments like piano and guitar. They have melodies and counter melodies. They have soloists, but it's not as important in this genre as it is in the other styles because, again, this is all about dancing. You've heard of swing dancing. That's what you dance to. Glenn Miller Orchestra, Duke Ellington, and Betty Goodman are all uh, great people you can listen to or watch the movie The Mask. Really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, but I'm I wasn't wrong. ready for that one. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. All right, well, I'm going to keep the train moving then and talk about bebop. So we have all these, you know, this interesting stuff from big band and swing. We take those bands, we're going to slim them down. And part of that is so that it's less expensive. And that's part of how you get bebop. Now, there's more improv here because there's fewer people. And because of that, too, there's a lot of crazy chord changes, right? Like we've got lots of weird notes and accents and weird chords happening. And this was really a time to focus on the music, uh, not dancing. So it's uh, not totally in line with big band and swing. It just kind of is a cousin to it. We have Thelonious Monk, who's big on this, Charlie Parker, and of course, a special place in my heart for Ella Fitzgerald, one of, I think, one of the most talented women who might have ever crossed paths uh, in with music. I, but that's personal opinion. So. <laughs> it's a good opinion to have. <laughs> I love next, Ella. <laughs> next, we have uh, cool jazz or West Coast jazz. So, as in music as often happens, there's a a swing in one pendulum one way, and then a counterculture which turns into a new genre, and that's what cool jazz is. It's way more relaxed than bebop. If you think West Coast, you think laid back, you think relaxed. That's what this was all about. Uh, more melodic, uh, slower chord changes, and just nice uh to listen to but still challenging it's not it's not so nice and easy like contemporary jazz but it is still uh fun to listen to a lot of emotion really cool the one name you have to know for cool jazz is miles davis trumpet player look him up go to spotify Mm. very good listen everybody go listen to miles davis i demand it now yeah it's required these are my demands Hey, so now we've got cool jazz. Now let's go into free jazz. And basically, this is your bebop, but it's crazier. Okay, these are the folks who are going to the limit here. Um, this is just straight up. These This might be the one that everybody thinks is the weird jazz, the funky jazz, maybe. Um, the, and, and it's just really cool. And Mr. England's apparently editing show notes with Charles Mingus and John Coltrane. Yeah, I was just highlighting the names there, so. <laughs> no, yeah. That's a, See, we're improving, folks. This That's is what right. I'm talking about. My eyes, and I apologize, my eyes got a little cross there when I did that. But That's yeah, funny. so Charles Mingus and John Coltrane, definitely some folks you want to check out um, when it comes to free jazz. 
This is the style of music or jazz where people say jazz is just an excuse to play wrong notes. That's what yeah. people are talking about in this style. It's crazy. It's bananas. Mm-hmm. It's awesome to listen to. Uh, mm-hmm. But here we go. He's a little bit more approachable. This is called Jazz Fusion. It's a combination of rock and jazz and some groups, even some Indian styles of music like the country India. Uh, and it is it's cool. It's like it's like a, a fun combination. And again, it's another example of jazz bringing different flavors. We have jazz. That wasn't enough, so we added some rock elements to it. So a little bit more four on the floor, uh, straight up rock beats. And then they didn't they didn't want to just settle there, so we added some more uh, more flavors from a different genre of music from India. And so we have Joe Zawinul. Oh, and I should say jazz fusion. A lot of people that played with Miles Davis. And that cool jazz era kind of moves into jazz fusion. And then the Mahavishnu Orchestra, that's the group that combines rock, jazz, and Indian styles. Nice. They're really cool. I've only heard them like once, but they're really great. So I'm going to talk about Latin jazz. And uh, frankly, it's exactly what you think it is, folks. There's not not really much more to say here. Um, It's really just a combination of what you would consider traditional jazz elements and Latin elements. Now there are two names here and I, unfortunately I'm not very familiar with Latin jazz. Are you familiar with the two names here in the show notes, Jeremy? Uh, If I recall correctly, I'm not, I like to listen to Latin jazz, but Mm -hmm. it's not like a one that I know people. The first guy I Mm -hmm. think is, uh, I want to say his name is Stan Getz. I think he is in the bossa nova crowd. So like Brazilian styles Uh, of music and Yao Gilberto is a guitar player. Okay. All right. Very good. And one of the things I like about Latin jazz is just the instruments we use here. Um, You know, you've got both of these uh, jazz and Latin elements, but one of the great things that I, anytime I've ever played Latin jazz, which truthfully is not much, this is not a genre I am super familiar with, but anytime I have, it's been about some of the instruments that we've gotten to add to the jazz orchestra because they're just, they're very unique and they have a very interesting sound, which, which helps you identify Latin jazz quickly. Yeah, for sure. A lot of polyrhythms too in Latin jazz, which is cool. Absolutely. Uh, Okay. So contemporary jazz or smooth jazz is uh, (laughs) what it is. It's, it's like, Contemporary jazz is music or jazz that is approachable. It's not offensive. It's not really remarkable, to be quite honest. Um, and it's like one of the styles of jazz. I'm going to hate myself for saying this. It's like the nickelback of rock, right? Like people oh, enjoy whoa. listening to it. People enjoy listening to it. But like, you know, it's not like groundbreaking or anything, you know? And the commercial success of it has made it the most popular style of jazz really since swing when swing was the popular style of music. Um, and it's one of the things it's also comparison to Nickelback because a lot of true quote unquote jazz musicians will reject contemporary jazz is, you know, just commercial and sellouts. So, uh, we have Chuck Mangione, who's a flugelhorn player or trumpet player, Al Jarreau, who's a singer. And then, the the name that everybody will recognize, the smooth jazz master himself, Kenny G. So, mm-hmm. and by mm. the way, folks, Kenny G is not playing a clarinet. Yes, no, if, he's not. Get, please, please understand that. If nothing else, if you get nothing else from today's podcast, Kenny G does not play clarinet. He is playing a saxophone. It's a different type of saxophone. 
but he is playing a saxophone. So I just want to throw that out there because I get a lot of people who say, well, everybody says Kenny G plays sax, but he really plays the clarinet. And I kind of want to put my head in a wall when people say that. Yeah. Because he's not. He is playing a sax. He's playing soprano. <laughs> yep. It's so good. And you'll, you'll immediately know this style of jazz because there's a lot of probably every city has a smooth jazz type radio station you know it's probably if you go to like hobby lobby like they do contemporary christian songs and like smooth jazz flavor you know in the background <laughs> so yeah 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 you'll you'll know it i mean you'll know it michael bolton uses whenever there's like a saxophone and like a michael bolton song that's an example of smooth jazz so i for there was a small time in my childhood where i thought kenny g and michael bolton were the same person <laughs> have you ever seen them in the same room together mm Actually, to wow. be honest, I don't know what either one of them look like. I think Kenny G kind of looks like a Weird Al a little bit, but if, there if is I'm... a Weird Al element there with the hair. <laughs> it's the hair, hair, right? <laughs> yeah. Although now you're making me question this hashtag conspiracy theories. <laughs> yeah, I do think that I have never seen Michael Bolton and Kenny G in the same room. So <laughs> is that what's up here, everybody? Maybe. I mean, have y'all seen Clark Kent and Superman in the same room? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> so, so you're saying Michael Bolton is. The Clark Kent to smooth jazz Superman Kenny Hero or Kenny G. I, I think there's something to be said for that. I I'm gonna stand by that one. I think because uh, I think there's some equivalency. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. To be fair, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a picture of either one of them like at the same time or like you know more than twice in my life. So who knows? okay, maybe we gotta put these in the show notes or something <laughs> and see what everybody else thinks. Oh see gosh. if I see if I'm on to something here. <laughs> I'll take it as blind truth. I'm cool with that. All right. That's good. That's good. <laughs> all right. So the important thing about jazz, and I hope you get out of this and this rapid fire and all the other stuff, is jazz is a music that is a combining music. It is music that is constantly evolving, sometimes on its own merits, like in the free jazz and the bebop eras where they're just trying to be as crazy as possible. But oftentimes, and true to its roots, it's a combination of various styles coming together, uh, keeping identifiable and important elements of each of its like home styles, uh, but also creating a new flavor profile, a new palette to to draw inspiration from and and the thing is too like we really did rapid fire this the jazz umbrella is huge and we're gonna we'll take some time and and dissect these a little more um because there are so many things that go into this umbrella um it's it's almost hard to explain how much goes into it yeah for sure Jazz musicians, I do want to say too, are they're varied. It's it's like all walks of life can be jazz. Uh, that's kind of one of the cool things about this combination of different cultures and genres is everybody can kind of have a a claim to the jazz heritage, if you will. And oftentimes the musicians are very very talented, um, and sometimes without even like knowing how to read music. You know, there jazz is one again one of those styles that you can pass down by just being around people who play jazz so mm, absolutely yep all right well that wraps up our rapid fire uh jazz show so go out as as always go listen to some jazz go to spotify and type in jazz and find something cool you know uh you can never go wrong with listen listening to miles davis kind of blue uh that's probably like the first jazz album that is really approachable and easy to get to 
um, and then just kind of expand out from there and go from some suggestions and just see what catches your ear. There's always jazz festivals going around everywhere. If you're like in Northwest Ohio, Southeast Michigan, where I'm from, there's a big jazz festival in Monroe, Michigan every year. Super cool. Um, New Orleans, you could just go down there and see bands playing on the corner of the street, you know, <laughs> just for fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. That... <laughs> yeah. Big, yeah. I know. I'm excited for you. I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah. Big jazz cities, New Orleans, obviously. Uh, Chicago is like the second home to jazz. Um, where else are we looking? New York, of course, the big cities, LA. Um, you know. I think you get a lot of Latin fusion out in LA. Yeah, you're probably right. Miami will have some Bossa Nova oh, Cuban absolutely. influences. Um, Toledo actually had a pretty big jazz scene. That's where I'm from. Um, a lot of cool people here, cool cats in, in this area. But that's partly because we're close to Chicago. So mm -hmm. anyways, with that being said, uh, I want you to, listener, reach out and tell us what jazz you're finding. And the way you can do that is uh, by messaging us on Twitter at OHVA Music. That's OHVA Music. <laughs> uh, you can also go to anchor.fm slash OHVA Music. That's our website for this podcast. You can leave uh, voice comments or written comments and talk to us there. I'm on Twitter, Mr. England, at Jeremy P. England. Jeremy P. England at Twitter. And uh, you can subscribe to our podcast anywhere you can find your podcast. Go to the website. Go to Spotify, Apple Music. Uh, both Daphne and I use uh, Overcast. Anywhere you can find it, basically. And give us a thumbs up or a star or whatever you do to show us that you enjoyed this. Or not. You know, be honest. What and else? Yeah, give us feedback. I'm not your dad. And uh, <laughs> with that, I guess we'll just uh, we'll see you all next week. And if you're our student, good luck as you start off this semester. If you're not our student, we're glad that you are with us and listening to us. And that's that. So have a good day, everybody. Bye, y'all.